Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back in Vegas this weekend for UFC 255 live on pay-per-view. That, of course, will be headlined by Davison Figueredo versus Alex Perez, as well as Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. Double title fights, both in the flyweight division. We'll, of course, be breaking down both of those fights as well as one other of the fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you our favorite underdog to play as well as a parlay we think will be particularly profitable this week. And we hit last week with a big parlay between Alex Morano and Tony Gravely, so you're going to want to make sure to tune in so that you can cash in with us this week. Plus, in addition to that, I will be giving you all the interviews you've come to know and love this week, I'll first be talking to Brandon Royval as he gets ready for what could be a number one contender bout versus the headliner. And then I'll be talking with Alan Joban as he kind of talks about where he is at his career, whether or not this is the end, and talks about legacy fights. It's a really great chat, so I highly suggest checking it out. And once again, this episode is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter because you can log your training sessions on Maroon Social to make sure that you are making the progress you want to make. And if you would like to try out Maroon Social in their paid premium version of the app for free, you can do it right now by using promo code TOPTURTLEMMA, and that's going to give you a full year's worth of their premium ad-free version of the, the app. So make sure to check that out. That's Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this episode of Top Turn on MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Brandon Royval, who fights Brandon Romero at UFC 255 in Las Vegas. So, Brandon, I got to ask you, you know, like I was looking back at your record six months ago. You're not in the UFC. Here you are fighting Brandon Moreno for probably, I'm guessing, the number one contender spot. Talk me through a little bit of the emotional roller coaster that has happened in that time. Bro, surrealism, man, for sure. Six months ago, not only was I not in the UFC, but I was working like, a full-time job and, like, I don't know, man, just, like, wondering if I should probably be doing MMA still. So, uh, I don't know, to wake up every day and know that I have to fight uh, or that I get to fight Brandon Moreno is just, like, a blessing and an opportunity that, I don't know, man, I just I can't believe and I'm, I don't know, I, I wake up blessed, man, for sure. Well, and, and that's interesting, too, because, you know, I, I know that, you, you know, you talked about getting the bonus so that you could quit your daytime job. How, how real was that, that you were thinking about that maybe fighting wasn't going to work out or, or maybe you wouldn't wind up where you are right now? Um, I just know, like, like honestly, the the fighting lifestyle is hard. If you want to be a professional MMA fighter, especially a professional MMA fighter at my gym, like, it's not an easy path. I have people whooping my butt every day, and uh, um, I have, like, killers that I train with on a daily basis, not to mention how often we train and how often we have to train. It, like almost like there's no way to work a full-time job or any of that stuff. 
so uh, I just knew that like this lifestyle is getting hard, and I've been doing it for years and years, and just been grinding since I was a uh, I don't know since I was a teenager, man, with this. And uh, I knew I was close to getting into the UFC, but I just didn't know how close I was, and I didn't like I was gonna fight in the contender series to get a spot in the UFC, and uh, I don't know, man. So I was just staying there and just kind of staying in the pocket with it, and just staying training. And uh, I got called up during a COVID during the COVID time, so we were like on lockdown in Colorado, and. Uh, I was just trying to train, train wherever I could, man, get to get to get the job done, you know. Absolutely, and I, I talked to you before that that fight with Tim Elliott too, and and you had said, you know, it was kind of shocking that you got a big name right off the bat, that, that they trusted you to go after somebody like Tim Elliott. Now here you are in your third fight. You're fighting, like you said, Brandon Moreno. You wake up blessed getting to fight Brandon Moreno as part of your full time job. What what was the reaction when you you got the call and they said? They said Brandon Moreno, top five flyweight. Oh, I called them, man. I was all over that. As soon as that fight, as soon as I found out about that fight, I was like talking to my manager, like we need to get this done. But I was like, I didn't say it like that. I just asked him, I was like, can you throw my name in that hat? Like that'd be a, a great opportunity. And then, uh, he's like, you want? He's like, you want that fight? And this is the day after my last fight, and uh, he, I'm like, absolutely, I want that fight. And uh, he just said, he's like, all right, well, I'll put my name in there. I'll put your name in there. And within like a couple of hours, I got a text back saying uh, that uh, Nick Maynard's interested in the fight. And uh, as long as Bram Moreno agrees that that's the fight that's going to happen. So uh, I don't know. It was, it was just kind of, it just kind of happened right in front of me. And uh, I don't know, it's worked out. And, and given that, you know, Alex Perez, the guy who is supposed to fight Moreno, is now headlining the card. He is the pay-per-view headliner fighting for the title. Do, do you kind of assume that no matter what goes down, this is the number one contender fight? This is your shot at the title? Um, this is this is the path for sure, man. Like I don't, I'm not assuming that I'm gonna get the title shot next if I win, because I know that Cody Garbrandt's gonna get it, and I might have to fight or sit on the back burner or whatever. But uh, I knew I know that's an option. I know that I get closer to that title with the win off Moreno for sure. So I want to talk stylistically about that fight, too, because Moreno, obviously, on the regional circuit, he's got loads of submissions on his record. Every single time I talk to you, you tell me about how you're a striker and how you don't shoot takedowns. But but I want to talk about the grappling here, too, because your grappling has looked so damn good in the UFC. Do, do you see yourself as being a better grappler than him? Is that a reasonable path to victory against a guy like Brandon Moreno? Um, It's not the path I'm going to take, that's for sure. Um, it might, it might be the better, it might be the better path. Who knows? Uh, it's not the path I'm going to take, but I think I do have the advantage on the ground for sure, man. I think that, uh, ground wise, I think I'm just more technical, more fluid in the jujitsu aspect of them, but I, I'll give Brandon Moreno credit where, uh, he's super, he, he can uh, avoid submissions and, uh, he stays postured really well and he does really well with uh, a lot of good submission guys. He has a lot of a lot of great uh, jujitsu guys on his resume that he's fought. So, and he's been yet to get submitted. So, he's a, he's not easy. He's not easy there at all, for sure. So, I assume with you saying that that's not the path you're going to take, you're, you're telling me you're going to throw hands again, which you told me you were going to do against Kai Kara France. You told me you were going to do against Tim Elliott. Both of those ended in submission. Why is this one different? Why are we not going to see a Brandon Royval submission here? Um, I'm not saying you're not going to see a submission, but I, you're not going to see me taking him down. That's for sure. You're not going to see me wrestling this fight. Um, 
that's not part of our strategy for sure. I, like I, that's not something that I thought going into the fight. I'm gonna go wrestle Brandon Moreno for 15 minutes and uh, see if I can get a submission out of it. If the submission comes, the submission comes. If the ground game comes, the ground game, then I'm ready for it, man. And uh, but uh, that's not the way I, I envision myself fighting. And as a fighter, and as who I want to be as a fighter, I've never really thought about wanting to be a takedown guy and getting a takedown. If I need to go do it, I'll do it. But that being said, is I'm going for the I'm going for being an exciting fighter, you know, I'm trying to go for uh, bonuses and uh, just be a fan favorite, you know? And, and given that, that, that sort of your style that you'd like being a fan favorite. And, and when you do get submissions too, it is crazy exciting. Do you think there is a chance too, that you go out there and are so impressive that the UFC bypasses that Cody Garbrandt option that you said is so real? I think that's the only way I'll get that title shot is if I go out there and do something super impressive and turn heads and uh, go out there and put a clinic on there. I think if it's a close fight or if uh, um, if it's a boring fight or whatever it is, man, I, th- I think that I won't get the, the title shot next. But I think I'm going to make it exciting, man. I love that. Now, I did want to ask you, too, because this, this fight card is being headlined. It's a pay-per-view being headlined by a flyweight title shot, which is not very common in the UFC. What are sort of your thoughts on getting to see that title up close and personal on the top of a card that you're fighting on? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great to be a part of it. And then it kind of leads to maybe opportunities too, right? It's just if something happens to uh, Figgy, Alex Perez, and Brandon Moreno, then I'm right there for the title shot. <laughs> yeah. So if something happens to all three of those guys, man, I might, I might get the title shot. I don't know. <laughs> or at well, least. At least two. At least two of the three. If something happens to two of those three, I might have someone to fight in the title shot. But uh, as far as it being like the the main event of it, um, I don't know. I don't like necessarily know how I feel about it, man. I I like I like Alex Perez. I hope he wins. And uh, um, I don't know. I, I I wish I wish there was a a little bit more to sell this fight. These uh this card. You know what I'm saying? Is just I want to be on a big card and I want a lot of eyes on me and I want a lot of eyes on this fight because uh, I think that's me and Brandon Moreno are going to steal the show, man. I think Brandon Moreno is a, a willing opponent uh, or a willing uh, uh, adversary or whatever you want to call it that uh, is going to help me get the job done to get to sell an exciting fight. And uh, I think that's what you guys would get treated with. But as far as like the flyweight headlining, I mean, it's cool, man. I just, like I said, I just want something that'll track star power, man. And, uh, that's what I need for this fight, right? For sure, for sure. Now, I, I did want to take it back to something you said there, because you said you are a big fan, or, or at least you, you like Alex Perez. Is, is that from a past training with him? Is that from knowing him in the past? What, what, what makes you like Alex Perez particularly? I miss both. He came down to Colorado and trained with us a little bit, and he just seems like a cool guy. And uh, I don't know, he has like a cool story and cool background, and uh, I, I want to see him succeed for sure. I don't know Davidson, so it's not like – if he doesn't succeed in life or whatever, it's not like anything to me. Like, but like, I know Alex Perez and I want the best for him in life. And, uh, him winning that title probably mean the world to him and his family. So, uh, I, I wish that for him for sure. That That's awful. Nice. Now I, I do obviously have to ask that question. Now he's not a training partner, but he's a guy who, like you just said, you hope the best for him, but really deep down, you're hoping that you two clash for a title in the very near future, is that weird at all for you, too, to, to have those sort of, like, conflicting desires in your head? 
Yeah, it's super weird for me. Um, I I do have those conflicting desires, and it's uh, it's super weird for me. It's super weird to fight Brandon Moreno too. Like I like like when when you get into it, man. Like I've been uh, watching the Ultimate Fighter, and I've been watching this kid fight his way. Out. I got got cut from the UFC and fight his way back to the UFC. And uh, I don't know, man. Like that that makes you a fan of him. That's a guy with heart. He's willing to overcome. He's young, man. He's such a beast. And uh, I don't know, man. You have a lot of likes for these guys, and you want you want them to succeed and their success is almost your success too. Cause the better that the more fans they have, the more fans that are going to see the flyweights and pay attention to the flyweight division. And uh, I don't know, I kind of have like a little bit of like, we're all in this together situation with the flyweight division. And uh, especially with like a couple of these fighters where I've been watching them, I got to watch them the ultimate fighter and see their personality for them and uh, see how cool, cool, real cool people these guys are, you know? Absolutely. Well, I think it's probably the best time as it's been for the flyweight division in a really long time. And we're looking forward to this fight. Once again, fans, this is Brandon Royval, who fights Brandon Moreno at UFC 255 in Vegas this upcoming Saturday. Brandon, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for your time, brother. Have a good day. And that interview with Brandon Royval is brought to you by Respect the Tap. That's R-E-S-P-E-C-T-H-E. TAP.com for some of the coolest looking MMA gear out there. All, all the time you're looking at MMA gear that's got, you know, dragons on it or swords or something. Respect the Tap is a fashion forward MMA apparel brand so that you don't have to worry about looking like somebody's crazy sleeve tattoo. Instead, it's nice, it's clean, and it's got some really cool submission forward designs. You're going to want to check them out. That's respectthetap.com. And joining me today is Alan Joban, who fights Jared Gooden at UFC 255 in Las Vegas. So, you know, Alan, obviously you've been away from the cage for quite some time. It's been almost 20 months leading into this fight. I know you had some injuries. Obviously, there's all kinds of other things going on in the world. T take us through a little bit of that time that you've been away. Yeah, like you said, man, it's been a while. Um, I'm excited to get back in there. It's uh. It really was a while, but not by choice. After my last fight, um, I ended up tearing a ligament in my finger, and I got that fixed and went through the physical therapy and all those things and then injured my other hand somehow um, training. And so I went through injury with that hand. So it was two hands, and then right when I got healthy, I ended up tearing my ACL in my knee. And that's that's the big one. You know, I've had the ACL before. Not a, not a, uh, a short or fun type of rehab it you know it's starting all over again and so that's what i did and so that's what the timeline kind of added up and so uh i probably got fully healthy a good while back man probably four or five months ago and i was actually looking for a fight a lot sooner and the ufc kind of just decided to put me later in the year november 21st i was really looking for like end of september early october and it ended up being later but i'm not too mad at it because um in that time, I mean, I've had a four-month camp, so I am. There's no stone left unturned in this camp. I'm I'm in supreme, top-notch physical shape right now, and I'm ready to rock. And you know, and there may be some nerves to that because you know, when you're actively fighting three to four times a year, in comparison to doing this, where it's you know the longest layoff of my entire professional career, uh, there'll be nerves. But I know I'll be prepared once the bell rings. Absolutely. Now, I did want to ask you just really quickly about that injury because you said you've had ACL damage before. Was it the same side this time? So were you rehabbing, you know, pretty much the same thing you were before, or was it a whole new side, whole new new kind of injury? No, I've done this to be both knees now, but I mean it's nothing new. Like I've I kind of heard 
some uh, interview with my opponent saying that he was thinking of targeting my leg, which kind of made me laugh. You know, it's not a bad idea, I guess, but if you want to target, you know, I've had I've had more surgeries than, than some fighters have had fights. And so um, I've had, you know, broken bone surgeries, nothing new to me. Every, every fight I have something done, you know. I've had multiple knee surgeries, elbows, hands, feet, you know, you name it, I've had it. So, um, um, yeah, it's, it sucks to get the knee done, but it gets done, it gets repaired, it gets stronger again. And, and so i got to ask you, too, because you said you've had, you know, more, more surgeries than most people have fights. You know, you also have a job at the desk, you know, for the UFC. You're working with Karen Bryant. you got the podcast. Was there ever a time in this 20 months dealing with the rehab at the ACL again where, where you thought may, maybe no, maybe, maybe I'm not going to make it back? Or, or has this always been the plan? You've always planned on coming back into the cage again. You know, if I'm being honest, I didn't know. I didn't know because I wasn't very happy after my last fight. I wasn't happy with the results, uh, the results from the judges and the results from myself. I was upset with myself for not pushing it the way that I normally do because I thought I had an easy victory. Like I said, you know, this, this opponent's going to just let me slide into an easy W. He doesn't want to fight, then I'll just take it. And then I got screwed. The judges gave it to him. I wasn't happy. Uh, and then after all that, I, I found out that, you know, my, my, my pinky was like dangling off my hand and I had to have that ligament put back on the bone. And so at that point, you know, I was 37 or something, you know, this is almost a year and a half ago. And I'm thinking, crap, I'm coming off of a loss. I got to have another surgery and I'm just getting older and it's just going to take more time. So there were those thoughts, man. I, I, you know, I had that talk with my uh, manager about like, is this going to be retirement? Is retirement in the near future? I never even thought about that word until this last fight. And now it's something that I, I'm very open about that. I know, you know, retirement is in the future, in the near future. You know, I don't know how many fights I have left. I'm, I'll be 39 the week after my fight. Um, and so for me, it's just day to day, you know, as long as my body feels good and I'm performing and I'm productive, then I'm looking to, you know, to get in there and grind it out and have fun. But it, it, it's so tough because you could feel amazing one day and then literally you wake up the next day and you have just like a new pain in your body. And you're like, where did this come from? I felt tip top shape yesterday and now I'm, I'm limping for some weird reason. And that's just growing things of, of getting older, you know, and being in a sport that you take so much damage on your body. Eventually things start kind of giving you trouble. So yeah, for me, man, um, I wasn't quite sure. I had some of the surgeries. I was like, let me see how my body responds. Um, had the surgeries, had the, re- the, the therapy, got back in the gym. And then that confidence really came back after a month or two in the gym. And, I, and you get past that, um, that rough start and you start kind of seeing and remembering what you do well again and, and what you have success in again. And, and you kind of could hopefully trust your coaches and giving you an honest response on how you look. And so with all that said, I uh, I did all that, and after after a month or two, I knew, uh, you know, I got to get back in there again and put on a better show for the fans. And, and and that was it too, like the the desire to to put on a good show for the fans, and your your coach is saying it. That that was the big turning point for you in knowing that you you for sure wanted to do this again. It was definitely a part of it, um, knowing that I could still do it, that I still had it, that I hadn't lost a step. But then again, like you said, um, you know, I like when when they when they announce my name and they talk about don't blink or they talk about fan favorite or, or four fight of the night bonuses that I live for that man I've been doing that my entire career in the, in the regional circuit in the national circuit 
that was me. Always fight of the night, always performance of the night. And then you go and you have a, a lackluster performance in the in a fan's booth, bro. It, it, I mean, it tears at your heart. It, it's just like what I'm known for is not. It's like you're not known for it anymore. And so I wanna I wanna fix that. I wanna go in here and remind everyone who I am as a fighter. And, and so out of curiosity, you know, you have that sitting in the back of your mind as your last performance. It's something you want to erase. Do, do you feel the need to come out especially aggressive in a fight like this to erase that? Or is, is there something else in your mind that's sort of the driving force to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Like, what, what is your mentality going into this fight with that? Yeah, I don't know if it's not if it's necessarily aggression that it would come out with because I'm always a pretty smart fighter, but um, it, it's not letting the time slide by. You know, there were if I'm just bringing up my last fight in particular, there were moments where I, I thought, all right, should I go? I go, no, I'm not gonna go because this guy's running away. So like, I'm not gonna take a chance. He doesn't want to take a chance. I'm not gonna take a chance. And I remember having moments like that, and I heard the crowd boo, and I would take a step forward, and he would take two steps back, and I go, ah, he's baiting me in. I'm just gonna let him keep running. And like I said, man, it didn't work out. And normally I never had those thoughts. I come forward and I, and, and, and I just, I come forward with a purpose or reason. I bite down on my mouthpiece and I, and I try to get, get a high percentage shot in there that's going to take you out. And then if it's not going my way, I try my, my damnedest to try to finish you, you know, do whatever I can to win the fight, no matter if there's five seconds left or not. And I didn't have that, that killer mentality in me the last fight because I thought it was going my way. So I think more, of a balanced approach in this fight, you know, I don't want to say I'm going to come out aggressive and stupid, but definitely not, not let the moments pass by. If I see a moment and opening, I capitalize on it and, 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 and giving him nothing for free. And, and let's talk about him too. Cause Jared Gooden is a guy who's got a bunch of knockouts on the regional circuit. He, he's got a bunch of fun kind of flashy finishes here and there. I, I'm curious is when they offered you that name, was he a guy you were already familiar with? And, and did he sort of, did you sort of fit that mold of the guy who's going to give you the type of fight here that, that you want after that layoff? Yeah, I mean, I think he fits the mold. When they gave me the name, I I, I was I said, it sounds familiar, but I don't really know who he was, who he, who he is. And uh, I didn't really know who he was. I looked him up, and I go, yeah, I think I've seen him probably fight once or twice, probably watching some of the LFA shows or, or Titan now and then, so something like that. So I've, I've seen him before, didn't have my eye on him for sure. Um, and, and to be honest, I wasn't super happy at first because I was asking him for like, um, I, I offered him like, you know, I said, uh, what about like a Corliss Condon or Matt Brown, somebody, you know, cause I was, I was kind of asking for veterans, um, because I knew, you know, I didn't have that many fights left and, and, and I wanted my legacy to have these type of fights in it before I'm done. And so I was asking him for names like that. And when they came back with a debuter, you know, it was kind of the opposite of what I was asking for, but I was in no position to really argue. And I said, you know what, I'll take it because I was waiting and waiting for a fight. I looked him up. He's got a great record. He's a big, strong guy. And like you said, he's kind of the type of guy that's not going to run from me, uh, that'll sit in the pocket and, and trade. And so I said, you know, this is a perfect fight to come back and uh, put on a performance for everyone. And with, you know, obviously, you know, a limited number of fights left on your clock here, and, and this one being one of them, you, you said you don't know how many are left, but are those, like, legacy fights what you're chasing after this fight? Like, you're looking for those fights that you can say you stepped in there with a Carlos Condit or a Matt Brown or a Robbie Lawler? I, I think so, man. I mean, uh, again, just I'm being honest. Um, you know, every fighting fighter, you talk to them and they say, you know, best shape of my life. I'm better than him everywhere. 
uh, I'm going for the belt. But you've seen a lot more fighters lately just be a little bit more honest and realistic. And I look at, I'm a very realistic guy. I, I turned 39 the week after my fight, you know, and lately I've been fighting one fight a year because of injuries holding me back. So do I see myself going fight for the title? I'm fighting one fight a fight and I'm going to be about, you know, one fight a year. I'm going to be about 45 years old by the time I make it there. So, you know, realistically knowing that, that my, 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 my window, my time frame is shortened and my body doesn't keep up with my mind anymore. I go, you know what? I, I just want to make the best of this. I love what I do. I've loved this opportunity. And I love that the, um, like the response that I've gotten from like the fans and the UFC, like they've always been very accepting and excited about me. And I just want to keep that going. So, yes, if I only have one, two, three, four more, I don't know. I want it to be fun ones, man. I want it to be guys that I've that I've watched, you know, that I've been fans of, guys that I respect. You know, there's a bunch of great up-and-coming guys coming off the contender and all these shows. I mean, the UFC signs 20 guys a week lately. But I don't know these guys. And I wasn't – they're not in my um, – my, my timeline of a fighter, you know, they're after me. And so with all due respect to them, I want to fight guys that were in my generation of fighting and before I'm set, before it's all done, before I hang it up. So yeah, that would be it, man. After this fight, all goes well. I'd love to uh, fight another guy that was, it was in the UFC before me, you know, at least. I love that mentality. Now I'm curious too, you've got a young son Who's not old enough, definitely, to watch, watch his dad in the cage there, too. How, how, how important are those legacy fights for you with him now being old enough to, to know what he's seeing and to know, you know, what he's watching in the cage? Yeah, no, I'm looking at him right now as we're talking, and it makes me think, like, um, it's wild because the older he gets, the more every fight means to uh, to both of us in a way because, he doesn't remember the early career, the early stages. He doesn't remember some of my uh, <laughs> my glory years, you know. They just they forget my son's eight years old. And so now every fight is their most lasting memory. It's what they remember the most because they're the oldest and it retains in their mind the most. And so I was thinking about that today. It's funny you brought it up. I was thinking like, God, I would love to just go out there and, and just put on this crazy performance and have my son jumping up and down in front of the television screen and screen and screaming at the top of his lungs and get a knockout and and if this is my last fight or if the next two i have more like that'll be ingrained in his memory of, of who his dad was you know because he's he, the order they get that's the ones they, they they truly remember kind of the most and so yeah it's a big part of it man it really is it really is like you know the, the legacy i say of people that i fought on my resume and then also the legacy of what i'm leaving behind memories from my family my son and things like that well we hope this weekend is one of those memories for you and we really appreciate the time once again this was alan joban who fights jared gooden at ufc 255 in las vegas alan thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate it pleasure brother well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Alan Joban as well as the one before with Brandon Royval. I once again am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined this time by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, a lot of people complained about last week's card, and it obviously had its flaws. But what is your big takeaway from that card? Well, Gumby, I'm glad you asked me that without giving away my age. <laughs> I'm someone who rented UFC 1 on a VHS circa 1994, a year after it debuted on pay-per-view. And obviously, I lived through that era where it was very hard to even see fights. 
And then in the early Zufa era, which I feel is kind of the golden age of UFC delivery to the fan, because those pay-per-views were so few and far between and so special, but maybe they left you wanting a little more throughout the course of the year. Uh, And now here we are in the ESPN era, and there's a card every week, and it could feel like oversaturation sometimes. And when they went to the 45-ish card per year, uh, mode, which I think was around 2013, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 2012. I don't remember. I know there was a lot of complaining from UFC fans, and I get it. But I'm now at the point, and I feel like you might be too, as a massive MMA nerd that you are, I just appreciate fights every week. Even if big-name fighters aren't necessarily on every card, there's usually a great fight. And I think this last weekend was an example of that. Yeah, and, and if you can't get jacked up for Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos, especially with all the narrative they gave you for RDA versus Felder, um, with Felder stepping in on five days' notice, with RDA wanting to come back and get his belt in the 155-pound division, like, there was even narrative in this card. Like, pe- people complain a lot that sometimes, yeah, there's exciting fights, but there's, like, no narrative to, like, sort of drive it along. This one even had that. So, like, I, I don't get the, the complaints about this one. And, and there were some good fights on there. Don't get me wrong. There was a dud or two. The, the opening heavyweight fight was brutal to watch. But, like, yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I'm in that space where, you know, like, nobody complains that there's too much football on Sunday. So, and, you know, I, I love that we get a UFC every weekend. And I'd watch, you know, just about anybody who's UFC caliber throw down on a weekend. Now, having said all that, we're about to transition to our favorite segment on the show, Fight Dogs and Parlays. For an underwhelming pay-per-view, in my opinion. But again, I'm not going to complain. It's fun. There's still fun fights. There's still fun fighters. I think traditionally we think of pay-per-view as being like those extra, extra special cards with mega fights. And this might not be stacked with mega fights, but it's got some good fights. And we'll get to it in Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 255. But before we do, Gumby, who sponsors this segment? Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by ProPace Sports Metrics from the creator of Grapple App, the Jiu-Jitsu game, which I also suggest you download. ProPace Sports Metrics is a new Android app designed to measure your athletic performance, leaning especially on combat sports in the striking mode. Because their flagship featured striking clinic uses your phone's microphone to detect the kicks and punches so that you can drive up your work rate, and it also scores it and gives you those metrics back, which you can then both use to get better and share on Twitter and all kinds of other social media. So make sure to follow them on Twitter themselves at ProPace app and download it today. All right. We'll start with the main event as we've been known to do. And Devison Figueredo, who I am a massive fan of exciting fighter, exciting personality. I hope he works on his English just so he could cut a mean pro wrestling promo eventually. Cause the guy has got a ton of personality English being a second language though, but I feel like he's a great flag bearer for the 125-pound division in this post-Mighty Mouse, post-Henry Cejuda era, and he's going to look to defend here against Alex Perez. Uh, the odds are not close on this, Gumby. You can get Figueredo as a minus 300 favorite, which really feels right to me. I mean, we're kind of delving into, like, early Mighty Mouse territory at a 3-1 to favorite. But if you're a big Perez fan, you can get him as a plus 250 dog. Who are you taking? 
So I'm going to spoil it here. I am going to take Perez at plus 250. First of all, I think that he's got immense value there, and I think he's got it for two different reasons. First of all, I think he actually has a grappling advantage here on Figueredo in a pretty substantial way. You know, we talk about Figueredo being the big heavy puncher. He's got some submission wins, right? Like he submitted Joseph Benavidez. He didn't submit Joseph Benavidez because he's a better grappler than Benavidez. Let's get that out of the way. He submitted him because he rocked him with the hands hard. And you could say the same thing about his win over Tim Elliott. Meanwhile, he concedes a lot of takedowns. The guy gave up two to Alessandre Pantoja. He gave up three to Juicy A. Formiga. He gave up one to Tim Elliott in the three minutes that they fought. Like, this is a guy who gave up seven takedowns to Jared Brooks and won a split decision. Now, don't get me wrong, Figueredo has gotten better since then, but I don't think he's gotten better in the takedown mode. And we're talking about Alex Perez, a guy who has taken down Joseph Benavidez, who's taken down strong wrestler Jordan Espinosa and subbed him on top. Like, he's a good wrestler, and in addition to that, he's incredibly durable and keeps a very high pace, which when you're fighting somebody like Figueredo, as long as he doesn't get knocked out, I totally expect him to be the fresher fighter, the fighter with less damage in rounds three, four, and five here. And I would not be surprised if he, first of all, wins a decision with those three rounds, or if he digs deep into the wrestling and submission skills in those rounds, and even possibly fix up, picks up a finish in those late rounds when Figueroa is kind of cooked from throwing haymaker after haymaker early on. Wow. I mean... I'm sticking with my man Figueredo, but you're making me think twice. And that says a lot when a man is a minus 300 favorite. You're bringing up some really good points on him. And I am one to always favor the more durable and the better grappler. But I do just think Figueredo's hands will be too much for him. Let's move then and let's see if you're feeling really (laughs) dicey. Because we have uh, some pretty disparate odds here. Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet, uh, a minus 1,200 favorite. To Jennifer Maya, a plus 800 dog, I know you're not crazy, so I know you're taking Shevchenko. Can you even give us a path to victory for Jennifer Maya? I'm going to be honest. No, I can't. Um, And I actually, you know, I've seen the numbers on Shevchenko. They actually seem to be going up. She's trending more towards negative 1,300 lately, negative 1,200 when we, we got ready with for this episode. I think there is no path to victory here for Maya. Because, like, look, she she missed weight two out of her last three fights. She got outworked on the feet by Caitlin Chokagian and didn't have any answers to take Chokagian down. Like, that, to me, means you have to stand on the feet with Valentina Shevchenko, which is a nightmare. And even if she were to get Shevchenko down, I don't think she's a better grappler. She, she's just worse in every way. And I actually think there are probably three to four women in that division who are more worthy of this fight right now than she is. Well, and that's what I love about this, because I just go in my head to the conversation between Jennifer Maya's representation and UFC matchmakers. The UFC matchmakers call them up and they're like, hey, listen, your client's missed weight a couple of times. She's on a losing streak. And the and her manager, Jennifer Maya's, was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we got to get her back on the right track. Maybe you give her someone, right, hovering outside the top 15, right? And the UFC goes, "Ah, ah-ah, we are giving her Valentina Shevchenko to teach her a lesson. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right, let's move on to Paul Craig, a minus-175 favorite. 
to the legend, Mauricio Shogunhua, in his 40th professional fight, a lot of wear and tear, a lot of legendary battles, only betting off as a plus-155 dog, uh, which I think is a big compliment to him. Uh, we're, of course, big fans of Paul Craig, friend of the show. Who are you taking? So I'm interested in this one because of the, the whole rematch aspect of it. It was such a weird fight the first time to go down like that uh, and end up a draw. So I, I don't know if I'm happy that they're running it back because I don't know necessarily that it's like a fight we need to see. I think I'm leaning towards Paul Craig, but I'm not super confident in that. Because, right, like, what's Paul Craig really great at? He's really great at grappling. He's got phenomenal jujitsu. Does he have good enough jujitsu to sub Shogun? Maybe not. And then, obviously, like, you would usually lean that Shogun's got the better striking. But, again, like you said, he's aged. He's got a lot of wear and tear. So, I mean, I guess I like Paul Craig just being the 200-pound guy who can knock anybody out and at least you know, maybe stun him to get to a place where he could submit him. But I, I'm going to be honest, I am staying so far away from this in the gambling world because this is an impossible fight, fight to pick. I would feel better about Paul Craig if this was main eventing a fight night and it was five rounds and they get into that fourth or fifth round and who is tired and we have a Forrest Griffin situation where Paul Craig ends up taking his back and choking him out. But I agree with you. I kind of want to stay away from it in a gambling perspective, just being that it's three rounds. Um, we'll move then to our dog of the week. If it's not going to be Mauricio Shogun Hua, let's say it's, I don't know. How about Brandon Royval at plus 160? Why do we like him? So our underdog is Raw Dog, which, by the way, one of the best nicknames in MMA right now. Brandon Royval, I have been picking him as an underdog since he's gotten to the UFC because this is his third consecutive fight where he will be betting off as an underdog. And he's 2-0 with wins over Tim Elliott and Kaikara France, both of which he submitted. And to me, like, you submit Tim Elliott, something that Mighty Mouse couldn't do over five rounds. Like, dude, you have a lot of props in my book. And actually, he's probably a better striker than he is a submission artist. So seeing him fight somebody like Brandon Moreno... I mean, I just have a feeling that Brandon Moreno is going to have a tough time with him on the feet. And if he shoots that reactive takedown, that's Roy Ball's specialty. That's what he did to Kaikara France that allowed him to hit that guillotine. So I'm a big fan of Roy Ball. I'm a big believer in Roy Ball. And I just think, again, while people are still underestimating him, get in on that underdog money while it's still good. All right. We're very good at what we do. And we're going to have to have the intern go through and actually count up our parlays from this year because they hit a lot of the time. Uh, and, you know, parlay is tough to hit because you need multiple things to go right. I like our parlay very much this week. Take the sister Shevchenko, Antonina Shevchenko, not as big a favorite as her sister betting off at minus 1,200. Antonina just a minus 160. But pair her together with Joe Quinn Buckley of the famous spinning kick KO that was played around the world and on sports center and seen on social media a billion times. He's minus two fifty. put them together and you get a nice plus plus one forty five from two fighters that we're pretty confident in. Right? Absolutely. And speaking of parlays that we've hit big on too, I, I feel like I should go back and mention we hit one last week that was exactly plus 45 as well. Alex Murano and Tony Gravely both picking up wins in their bout. So again, we're pretty good at what we do. So I, I like Antonina Shevchenko in this fight because I just think she's a better version of Ariane Lipsky. 
She works well in the clinch, and I also think she's got that advantage wrestling should it not be going her way in the clinch, whereas Lipsky is just not going to take Shevchenko down. So, like, you have almost a stalemate on the feet and an advantage and a way out if it's not going Shevchenko's way. I, I like her a lot in this fight. I like Buckley, actually, because he's less flashy than Jordan Wright in this fight. That's right, less flashy than Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright throws everything spinning, wastes a lot of energy. Buckley, despite the fact he's well-known for his crazy knockout of Impa Kasangane, he is a guy who is very technical on the feet and actually went toe-to-toe with Kevin Holland for quite a bit of time before Holland landed a big knockout there. And, and of course, Kevin Holland headlining a card in December. So, no shame in that. So, I like Joaquin Buckley here as a, a, a pretty sizable favorite just because I think he's going to keep it more fundamental and he's got that big knockout power. I expect him to get Jordan right out of there. So, of course, we're going to pair those two together. Plus 145. Let's see if we can do it two weeks in a row. Boom. I love it. Feeling good. Positive energy. Shout out Brody Stevens. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Hit us up on Twitter, as always, at Top Turtle MMA. We'll be tweeting during the show. Let us know if we did your right with some of this gambling advice. Let us know if we did your wrong. And also, keep those peepers out, because we're starting a sub stack. That's right. We love to hop on social media and all sorts of blogging bandwagons, and we're going to be hitting you up with some gambling advice through Substack. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Gumby, I've said my piece. Why don't you wrap up the show as a whole? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social, ProPay Sports Metrics, or RespectTheTap.com. Make sure to check out all of those guys. And we also want you to check out FlowCombat.com, the mothership. That's where we are housed each and every week. And you can check us out on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, and on Instagram, same thing, at TopTurtleMMA. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, and he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll see you then.